Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to AADE's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager here at AADE. Today, as we're rolling into fall and winter, which means the start of flu season, we're discussing the importance of vaccinations for people with diabetes. We've invited doctor of pharmacy, certified diabetes educator, and passionate vaccines advocate, Melissa Young, to share her insights and inform us on why immunizations are a life-saving strategy that diabetes care and education specialists should be promoting in their practice. Without further ado, here's Dr. Young. Melissa, welcome to the huddle. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are so happy to have you here. And I have to tell you before, cause just because I knew I was going to be interviewing you, uh, I went and got my flu shot this weekend. I am so happy to hear that. So many people still need to get their flu shot. <laughs> right. And that's what we're here to talk <laughs> about, right? Yes. So whenever I think about um, the diabetes care and education specialist and a vaccine advocate, you are the first person that comes to mind. Maybe you can give people a little bit of background on um, how you actually got to this place of being a DCES and a vaccine advocate. Sure, I'd be happy to. As a longstanding diabetes care and education specialist, I've always been involved in the promotion of preventative care, and I was trained and certified to administer vaccines in a pharmacy-based immunization program right after I completed my pharmacy training. And this sparked my interest in immunology and disease prevention. I've stressed the importance of vaccines in both my pharmacy and my diabetes practices over the years. And this continued as I started my uh, VA practices. And vaccines are an integral part of VA primary care visits. They're also a significant population health strategy in disease prevention for veterans. In 2018, I was asked to represent AADE in roundtables hosted by the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases. And these roundtables were put in place to strategize and identify methods to promote vaccine uptake, and we focused on the hepatitis B vaccines and then the influenza vaccines. The purpose of these multidisciplinary influenza roundtable was to discuss the under-recognized burden of influenza and particularly on adults with chronic health conditions. So we focused on heart disease, lung disease, and diabetes, but many other chronic conditions can be affected. And we examined the risks of the flu in these groups and the benefits of the influenza vaccines. And this roundtable really opened my eyes to the burden of the flu on people with diabetes. Since that time, I have advocated for vaccines, and I've collaborated with NFID, AADE, in collaboration with the CDC. And we have developed educational tools, both for um, clinicians and the general public. We're really trying to get the message out about vaccines. 
and just the importance of them. So I'm really happy to be here today. Well, I definitely want to get to the barriers because that's a big deal. And I, um, and I know that it's a big topic that, that we need to address. But even before we hit that one, why are vaccines so important? To put it simply, vaccines save lives because the vaccine-preventable diseases kill people. On average, over 40,000 people in the United States die each year from diseases that we can prevent with vaccines, including the influenza. And if they don't kill people, they can lead to catastrophic complications and loss of independence, especially in persons with underlying chronic conditions. So we think of people with diabetes. It's important to note that the flu is not a bad cold. It's a very serious infection. This lesson hit home to me a long time ago when I lost a very close family member to a flu-related complication. She had refused the flu vaccine because of concerns it would give her the flu. Within a week of her diagnosis, she had passed away due to a complication, pneumococcal pneumonia. Was she very elderly? No, she was 60 years old, but she had a chronic condition. She had a lung disease, so she was frail. And studies have shown that over 80% of people over the age of 60 do have at least two chronic conditions, and the chronic conditions put people at additional risk for complications from the influenza and other vaccine-preventable diseases. So it's important that we promote vaccine use in people with chronic conditions. Did you know that 80,000 people in the United States died from the flu during the 2017 and 18 flu season? Wow, Melissa, that's a lot of people to die every year from the flu. What about people with diabetes? Are, are they at higher risk? They really are. People with diabetes, they're more susceptible to catching illnesses. And first and foremost, the innate immune system provides a general line of defense in the case of organisms that are trying to invade the body and cause infections. And, and in people with diabetes, the immune cells, they're just not working as effectively as people without diabetes. And so they're more susceptible to those organisms coming in and causing infection. Another issue is that many people with diabetes have heart disease and vascular disease, and so the circulation is poor. And so those immune cells can't get to the site of the infection. So really, it's just a setup for infection. And the other thing is, when the blood sugar is high, it just makes all of that worse. And so if we can prevent the infection, that is best. Because the other part of this too is that common um, diabetes complications, think of heart disease, kidney disease, they also put the person with diabetes at higher risk for suffering from severe complications and death of many of you know, infectious diseases. So definitely vaccines are crucial for people with diabetes. So it's this lower immunity results an infection, which results in these acute complications. You know, it's interesting, like we've talked a lot about the flu and the flu vaccine, but thinking about immunity and infections, there's got to be many more vaccines that people with diabetes should be considering. There are. And one thing to mention, too, when we're talking about 
diabetes and vaccines, and I just talked about how, oh, the immune system, you know, isn't quite as up to par as somebody without diabetes, but one good thing is, is that the adaptive immune system in people with diabetes works as well as someone without diabetes. So what that means is, is that an immune response is mounted to vaccines. So vaccines work, and, and that's a great thing. So yes, there are quite a few vaccines, actually, that people with diabetes should have. And I would like to go through a few of those. So besides the flu vaccine is the Tdap. The Tdap consists of the tetanus, pertussis, and the diphtheria vaccines. And when we think of tetanus, we think of lockjaw, which is very rare in the United States today. But many may not know this, but tetanus still kills about one out of 10 people who are infected, even after receiving the best medical care. And the whooping cough has actually made quite the comeback. And that is most dangerous to little babies, especially up to three to six months of age. So people that are around young babies need to make sure that they're up to date with the Tdap vaccine. And so the CDC recommends every adult get the Tdap vaccine and then that booster every 10 years. Another vaccine that's recommended for people with diabetes is the Zoster vaccine. And the Zoster vaccine protects against the shingles, a very painful rash. And that's caused by the same virus that causes the chicken pox. So people have the chicken pox. The virus doesn't go away. It just sits in the body and then it comes out years later as we age and our immune function declines. And this virus is called the herpes zoster. And about one in three adults will suffer from the shingles. An unfortunate complication of the shingles that can occur is this horrible nerve pain at the site of the rash. And it can last months or years after the rash is gone. This herpes zoster vaccine, this newer one is approved for ages 50 and years and older. And the CDC recommends that all adults 50 years and older be vaccinated. This is a two injection vaccine. So it's important that people do come back and get the second vaccine at least eight weeks after the first one. It's important as educators that we warn that there can be flu-like symptoms after the first vaccine because some people have been scared off and not and went and had their second dose. So it's important they do that. And there is an older live vaccine, the Zostavax, that we have used since 2006. But the Shingrits, which is the newer one, it's, it's not a live vaccine. That's what's recommended to be used first line now. We also have the hepatitis B vaccine. This is really important for people with diabetes because adults with diabetes are twice as likely to have an acute hepatitis B infection. They have a 60% higher prevalence of hepatitis B compared to adults without diabetes. So this may be due to contact with infected blood. We've had outbreaks of hepatitis B due to improper use of, for instance, blood glucose testing equipment. And so this has been a significant issue for people with diabetes. And hepatitis B can live outside of the body in blood droplets for at least seven days. So it can still infect. This is one reason we don't share glucometers. The CDC recommends that people with diabetes are 
um, vaccinated against hepatitis B up until the age of 60. 16 above, they recommend that the clinician decide uh, based on the patient's likelihood of acquiring the hepatitis B infection. And the neat thing about the new vaccine is there's now a two-dose vaccine. So it's given at just a one-month follow-up injection, which is really nice versus the three-month where you had to do a zero. You had the first injection and a one-month and then six months later. So the newer vaccine is more convenient for people and um, can easily be given, you know, through a pharmacy. Another one that's really super important is the pneumococcal vaccine. People with diabetes are at a high risk of, you know, pneumonia, and it's very strongly recommended that they receive a pneumococcal vaccine. And there's actually two different vaccines. And so as we age, we become even more susceptible to pneumonia. And so, you know, the CDC recommends that people with diabetes receive both vaccines. And then we have our influenza vaccine. We say if they're above six months of age, then it's everyone every year. And I just can't say enough about the influenza vaccine. People with diabetes are three times more likely to die and uh, six times more likely to be hospitalized due to complications from the flu or pneumonia. So really, uh, these vaccines are life-saving and they are vital for people with diabetes to receive. So the big thing I'm hearing from you is vaccines save lives. It's making me think, Melissa, about that AADE in practice article that talks about the Madrid diabetes study and it, it identified like who is more likely to not get the flu shot. And I'm interested to hear your take on that because why are these barriers there? Right. So that was an interesting study. And so it was a seven-year follow-up study. It was a retrospective case cohort study in Spain. And they assessed barriers to uptake of the flu vaccine. And for the men, their main barrier to uptake was that they thought they were not at risk. They did not believe the flu was all that serious. This is something that we are seeing more commonplace these days with other diseases here in the United States, that people don't remember how it was before we had vaccines commonplace. For instance, the measles. They don't remember because many of us weren't alive before 1963 when the measles vaccine came out and half a million people per year had the measles and 50,000 people per year were hospitalized and hundreds died. You know, we don't remember those things when so many people had smallpox or, you know, horrible things, you know, and, and many people think that the flu is a cold. And a lot of the times I don't call the flu the flu, I call it the influenza because of that reason. I, I try to set it apart or they think the flu means you're just throwing up. You know, I've got the flu, it means stomach flu. I think that that is a significant barrier to many types of vaccines. For women in this study, their main barrier to receiving the vaccine was a fear of adverse reactions. And of course, we see this in the news, we see it all over the internet, uh, big fear of adverse reactions with vaccines. 
there's this fear about adverse reactions with all medications. You can get on the internet and find fears of, of taking anything. But vaccines are very well studied, and they're found to be really some of our safest medications that we have. People will always have unique reactions to any medication, but it's important that we always put things in perspective and that as we're educating, that we always do that for the individuals that we see and give them the numbers and the resources to do that. I love everything you're saying, and it's reminding me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it said if their healthcare provider recommended taking a vaccine, that there was a 90% increase. Exactly. So 90% of the people in the study agreed after the healthcare provider recommended they have the vaccine based on either their age or their specific health condition. Basically, the healthcare provider individualized it to the person and said, because of this reason, you need this vaccine. And they agreed to it. They just needed some education and personalization to them. Do we know what percentage of clinicians or diabetes care and education specialists discuss immunizations with people with diabetes? So as of the 2017 National Practice Survey, 31% stated that they were discussing vaccines during visits. And it was interesting, as of of the 2010 survey, there were about 21%. So there was an increase. We're making progress. You know, there are so many things. I mean, I get this. I get this. I practice. There's so many things to be discussing in visit. And this was something we discussed in the roundtables. Like, how do we move this up the list? You know, somehow we have to connect it right up there to the A1C or put it up to the top, which was interesting in the Madrid study is that uh, a barrier to uptake in the patients was an increase mean A1C. So the higher their A1C was, the less likely they were to take the vaccine. We know that the higher the blood sugar, the less the immune system really works well. So those are the people that really need the vaccine the most. Yeah, this is all making a lot of sense. If we could get that additional 70% of uh, clinicians or diabetes care and education specialists, if we could get them to discuss immunizations, then we could see a big uptick in people with diabetes getting the vaccination. Definitely, we could make a huge difference. My next question is, is the need for expanding the services of diabetes care and education specialists and maybe reaching a broader population than we are right now and the impact that they could have. And, you know, I can clearly see how that would happen with vaccines. Do you think right now there's enough people getting their recommended vaccines and flu shots? No, no, certainly not. And I mean, we see that you know, with us not meeting the Healthy People 2020 goals for the influenza vaccine, the pneumococcal vaccines, we're just simply not meeting them. We do pretty well with the childhood scheduled vaccines, but not with the adults. Us adults, we just don't do very well with going in and <laughs> taking care of ourselves. I think we're taking care of everyone but ourselves. So, so we need someone to really educate us. And those of us that are healthcare professionals, we need to be educating those that they just don't know. They don't know. And there's so many benefits to vaccines that even besides the infectious disease portion that really would help people with diabetes too. 
Well, this is hitting close to home for me because every year about this time, my, my kids were both born in the um, late autumn. So I'm always making their annual appointments to get them in for their yearly appointment and their vaccines. But you know what? Nobody's doing that for me. And, 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 and you heard me at the beginning of the show. The reason I went and got my flu vaccine was because I knew we were doing this. So I think you're making an incredible point. Question here, the promotion of vaccines for people with diabetes, it sounds like it's in the scope of the diabetes care and education specialist. Are there people that the DCES can partner with on this so that they're not just the sole clinician responsible? It certainly is within the scope. It was added to the national practice standards in 2017 under the chronic disease management education portion, another prevention portion. And so those programs that are of course, you know, certified through AADE, it should be added to their curriculum. You know, I think to work with and to collaborate with a partner for vaccine promotion, I think pharmacists are excellent partners because pharmacists, most are certified to give vaccines or there's at least one in most pharmacies that are certified to administer vaccines now you may be able to set up a program with a pharmacy to where you can recommend and you can send people over. Uh, I'm sure a pharmacy would be very interested in this. Even just having a list of places where patients can go for their immunizations is a plus. I mean, just even having that, because many people still don't have a primary care provider. They just don't have one. Well, and sometimes your pharmacy is closer to home. I know for sure my pharmacy is only less than a mile from home. And I will throw this out there. They give me a $5 um, gift card every time I get a vaccine there. So it's like a win-win for everybody. Exactly. And you can come in, you can get a prescription filled and get a vaccine. And that's what I was thinking, like with the hepatitis B vaccine, you can get the initial injection. And then when you have a 30-day prescription refill, you just come on and get your second injection. I I thought that was perfect when I saw that two-dose vaccine come out. Okay, so we're sharing these great ideas. Are there strategies that the diabetes care and education specialists can use to promote vaccines? There are. Many of these are uh, strategies that we came up with in our NFID roundtables. And these are strategies that I have utilized in clinic. And the first strategy is it's important, and we've seen this with the study that we just talked about in Spain, is to provide a very strong, clear recommendation for them to get the vaccine. It's best if they're going to get the vaccine at a pharmacy or somewhere else to go ahead and provide a written order for it. Now, most places, they're not going to need a written order because, you know, most places now, they're they're standing orders. But it's just to make it a little more official for your patient. They, They know you're more serious about it. And if you can, follow up and see if they've received the vaccine. The other thing is, go ahead and individualize it for the person with diabetes to some type of whether it be a complication that they have or something with their condition. For instance, many people with diabetes have heart disease. So go ahead and talk about the risk of having a heart attack uh, with uh, the diagnosis of influenza. 
because there is a six times risk of having a heart attack. It's been seen in studies within seven days of an influenza diagnosis. Or discuss the meta-analysis from 2013 that documents the secondary prevention benefits of the influenza vaccine, particularly in people with high-risk cardiovascular disease. Another strategy is to explain the risk of the long-term disability that can occur with influenza. The inflammation that comes with influenza that lasts past the acute infection can lead to potential permanent loss of function. I mean, it just wreaks havoc, especially in people with chronic diseases. Discuss people with diabetes already have excess frailty and stress that the added effects of influenza and related complications, they may not be able to enjoy activities. Emphasize the other benefits of vaccines For instance, people will say, well, the flu vaccine, it didn't work. Well, it's not 100% effective. They're not. But there are risk mitigation benefits. It can reduce the severity and the length of the illness. That means a lower risk of long-term severe complications. And also stress that vaccination is a social responsibility. A person who is vaccinated reduces transmission to others in the community, such as those who are ineligible for the vaccine. So think of the very young or think of the very elderly who have weakened immune responses for those people. So stress that, you know, by getting vaccinated, you're going to be helping other people. You're going to be protecting people around you that you care about. Hearing you talk through those strategies, um, they're very powerful, and I love that they move from the individual to the social responsibility. So whatever might motivate somebody, all five of those strategies seem to hit one part of that. So I know that the CDC has a printable vaccine guide. Do you think that that's a, a, a tool that diabetes care and education specialists could use or would find handy? I think it's a great tool, and I've printed it off, actually, and used it myself. I think any printed educational tools is very helpful. So yes, I thought it was a great tool, actually. I highly recommend it. And I recommend on AAD's website, I would go to the vaccine section. There's lots of different tools on there. Also, the the vaccine practices paper, too, is awesome. So I have to say, I have learned a lot about vaccines. And before we end, I just wanted to give the opportunity for one last you know, maybe a call to action. Is there anything you want to throw out there to the um, diabetes care and education specialist world before we end our, our discussion? Well, what I would like to say is that we are perfect for this. We do this every day. We educate, we motivate, and we care. And we can make a huge difference with this. And I just encourage everyone to practice the strategies, just do your best with this and don't get discouraged. And by all means, please get your flu shot. Please don't be the uh, dreaded spreader of the flu to your patients and your uh, colleagues and those you love. Those are great messages. And and Melissa, thank you so much for um, joining us and having this discussion. It's been incredible. And I know it's going to be very valuable for people to listen to, um, especially as we as we hit this season. 
But as you as you also alluded to earlier, we do have um, AADE resources. So we have the vaccines page, which is at diabeteseducator.org forward slash vaccines. And there, among some other resources, you can find the vaccination practices for adults with diabetes uh, practice paper. Um, so Melissa, thank you and stay healthy this season. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today, we learned that vaccines are an important prevention strategy for people with diabetes, sometimes even life-saving. Remember, people with diabetes are more susceptible to contagious illnesses and serious complications that may develop from infection. Diabetes care and education specialists are in the perfect position to increase vaccination uptake. By making a strong, clear recommendation for vaccines, emphasizing the benefits, and explaining the risks, diabetes care and education specialists can motivate people with diabetes to preserve their health and quality of life. To learn more about the importance of vaccines for people with diabetes and access resources made for healthcare providers and their patients, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash vaccines. To access resources and notes from today's discussion, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.